0: Hey, this is uh, It's Mental Podcast. Uh, today uh, I'm with uh, um, UK comedian Joe Weiss. I, I saw him at Brighton Fringe. Uh, he, his uh, solo show is called I'm Autistic. Uh, as you know me, I really like uh, mental health and the stand-up com- comedy combined art form. So this, uh, this show uh, instantly draw my attention and I want to see Joe it was so good that I want you to see him again, like the next day. And, uh, and uh, I, I will uh, give the mic to Joe, uh, Joe, do you want to re- introduce yourself?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, you got down. Yeah. I'm, I'm a UK stand up. I do a bit of writing as well. Um, I'm autistic. Um, I, a lot of my stuff is about being autistic. Um, and I talk a bit about mental health as well. Um, but I, I, I would see being autistic and, um, I talk a bit about mental ill health in my uh, in my comedy, uh, which I see something different to or, or being autistic, uh, but I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point in the podcast.
0: Yeah, uh, Joe, uh, I I really really liked your uh, your solo show. I, I think. uh oh, thank uh, you. I it, Brighton is my first time to go to um uh like a festival. Uh, and I had a very big hope because uh, like uh, in in Germany there's no industry here. And uh, I first time go to a fringe, I thought there will be like a really amazing level of co- comedy there. But the, the first five days I was really disappointed because lots of shows <laughs> <laughs> they 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 were of quite bad bad quality. Many of them you can clearly see that they don't have enough stage time. And uh, uh, they it's not ready, and I was really disappointed. Then eventually I saw your show. I'm like, oh, finally my trip was it. I, <laughs> I see something I really like, um, and and uh, I I I really like your show. That it's it's talking about something really uh like um uh, different, and it's talking about the uh, new neurodivergent and talking about the uh, autism, but. Uh, uh, your jokes are smart uh, and also funny. You didn't play uh, a victim. You didn't. Uh, there's a little bit of sad part in it, but uh, overall, like the jokes are really great. I, I, I think it's a really a good product to make people uh, both uh, who are neurodivergent uh, would be interested in, but it's also a good introduction. For people who don't have this issue and uh, they can just consume it as a comedy, but uh, along, uh, while consuming it, also learn something about uh, the topic.
1: Oh, that's really lovely to hear. Thank you. Yeah, because I've always, the two things I always try to avoid is I don't want to do anything that's sort of like, oh, isn't my life so hard, sad? Because I think that's, that's sort of a big narrative around um, autistic people. Because actually, my life's all right. You know, I'm, I'm, married and you know i've created a life that works well for me where you know i'm not getting very stressed all the time you know even things, not that things are perfect but but you know that like i've, I've got a, a nice life um and uh yeah the the other thing i try i try not to do anything that's sort of like i'm quite proud to be an autistic person so i try not to do comedy that's sort of like um uh certainly not self-deprecating about my autisticness i can be self-deprecating in other ways but i don't want to do stuff that sort of presents autistic people as sort of um as you know rubbish
0: so i i think that's a very good mindset and i i really want to get to know you so my uh my question first question would be uh when did you start to do comedy
1: um a long time ago um i'm always a bit embarrassed of how long i've been going but i think it's, it took me a while to find my voice and find um, what worked for me. I think only in the past few years that, that's that been something that's that's where I've gone, oh this is who I am, this is um, probably the diagnosis was a big part of that to be honest. Um, but yeah so I started when, I think did my first gig when I was 18, so good god yeah, f- 15 years ago now um, but yeah so in, in the past few years that I've sort of um, taken it a bit more seriously found my voice a bit more and um, you know, gone full time that sort of thing, so yeah
0: uh, you you uh, you said like the diagnosis uh, actually helped you. Uh, if I, I heard it correctly,
1: yeah yeah oh definitely because I think I think all good comedians are tapping into some sense of who they are. Even if they're like a character comedian, or even if they're very different um, off off stage, there's still like a, I think you have to have self awareness a bit when you're a comedian. And um, yeah, so I think having that diagnosis and thinking about who I was and the way I saw things just helped a lot for me to go, oh, I can present this on stage, even though how I present myself on stage is not exactly who I am. Uh, but actually, in a lot of ways, I think you know, off stage, I'm not always being who I am because I think I, I sort of struggle a bit through social things. So, you know, I'm sort of putting on an act sometimes when I'm not on stage. Uh,
0: may I ask when did you get diagnosed?
1: Well, it's, it's a slightly complicated story because there was a sort of informal, um, what would have then been called Asperger's when I was uh, a teenager. Um, I didn't uh, know about that at the time. Um, I think some of those conversations were sort of happening with you know, my parents and my school. Um, and uh, so it wasn't until I was in my... I would it have been? maybe just when I was, uh, just turned 30, where I had a sort of formal autism diagnosis. So, um, yeah, so a long time of not really, um, not really knowing why I was very different.
0: Wow, 30, that's really late. Um...
1: Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, it was, it explained a lot of things. Um I, I, uh, I, well, so, so a, a big part of my story is that as a teenager, I had very severe OCD, and I guess that that's the the sort of um, the the difference between mental ill health and neurodivergence is that that um, I uh, the OCD was a mental illness that was really horrible, and really difficult, uh, but I had some very very good therapy, and that's helped me to sort of OCD is not so much of a problem for me anymore. Um, So, but I think I that was such a big thing when I was growing up. I think a lot of the autistic traits I sort of put down to the fact that I had quite a weird few teenage years, and you know, and I didn't, um, you know, I didn't have a lot of friends. But also, I spent a lot of my time um, tapping objects in certain number sequences so that uh, so nothing bad would happen. So, you know, it's it's that makes it hard to make friends as well as. um, uh, as well as being autistic so, um, so so yeah so I think that that was sort of um, an aspect where I'd sort of put a lot down to that but then as I got better from the OCD there were still things about me which were different um, and uh, yeah and the autism diagnosis has explained a lot of those things.
0: Uh, in, in your solo you talk about uh, that you, later uh, as an adult you you start to realize some uh like uh, like tip and the trace that you might be autistic autistic for example you you realize your mom uh she runs a support group for autistic uh yeah, parents she, yeah, yeah. parents of autistic children
1: um is yeah that genuinely a- true she yeah she um so the, yeah like i said i sort of like I just, like, I think just when I was young, I was I was very very poorly with with the OCD, and um, and also just very very sort of as, as such a cliche to say, but I was very much in my own world, and uh, so yeah, my mum, so maybe that you know like maybe these conversations about the Asperger's diagnosis were happening around me, but I just wasn't taking it in. I was too you know, I was too interested in what other stuff was going on for me, um. And yeah, my mum did run this this um, the support group for parents of autistic children. It never quite clicked that that meant I might be autistic. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, my mum was someone who did lots of things. She had lots of hobbies, so it wasn't completely. I'm sure that she might do that.
0: So, so if your mum runs this uh, support group, then probably she knew you are probably autistic. Then how come you? Well, only she did. Got...
1: Yeah, she did. Yeah, they'd had that <laughs> conversation. Um, yeah, they they said um, basically the the therapist who seen me for the OCD stuff said um, you know we think he'd meet the criteria for back then they would have called it Asperger's um, and, uh, and my mum said uh, we don't um, want to she felt like she didn't want to have another label which I think it was you know is is understandable at the time you know I think the narrative around autism was very different back then um, so. Uh, yeah so I wasn't put forward for that formal diagnosis but that was um but yeah she was running this this support group um yeah
0: then then how come you you decided to get a diagnosis when you are 30 years old
1: Well I I was talking to my mum and sort of found out some of the stuff um about the sort of informal diagnosis and also my mum then went to work working in um in uh, sort of so work with young autistic people so she knew a bit about it um so i was able to have those conversations with her i also i was also working <laughs> um it's, it's 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 very um strange story when it when you say it all quickly but um i was working in in what we call send um so special educational needs and disabilities and um meeting young, and you and and was party to conversations about autism autisticness and Talking to young people about their experiences and um a lot of them really rang true for me a lot of the things which were happening with those young people I was that like, that exact same thing happened to me i didn't i misunderstood this thing um you know and i'd see um see from the outside people being autistic people being misunderstood or um yeah just those experiences that were incredibly relatable and i thought well that those exact same things things happened to me um and uh so yeah that that was a sort of aspect of me sort of seeking out the the diagnosis as well
0: and and you say the diagnosis uh, really helped you uh could you please elaborate it helped you in which types of ways
1: yeah I think it's because I it did help me one thing I think is which I believe in more so now is that I think that the sort of medical model diagnosis process is very flawed. And I think there's there's a question they ask where they say, do you prefer to go to a museum or a theater? That's one of the diagnosis questions, which is just a, such a silly question. And, um, you know, I'd have so many follow-up questions, you know, what's on at the theater? What, what's on at the museum? Is there a big school group at the museum making lots of noise? Is there someone in the theater behind me who's eating some loud crisps through the whole show? Um, so so you know i do think the diagnostic process is is flawed i think that probably in the future we will move towards um sort of self diagnosis being more of a thing and you know and seeing these things um as uh as more sort of um social identities rather than having them sort of medicalized and then the mo- the, the the discussion around will be around support and needs and that will be the thing which will be maybe you know assessed and in, in, in a sort of a, in that way um uh you know because yeah because I, I think it's um yeah i do think the process is flawed having said that i think that for me um having that um word that was like oh you're not because i think i spent a lot of time thinking oh i'm really rubbish at all these things i'm rubbish at making friends i'm rubbish at making eye contact with people that feels really awkward um I like when i go out i want to change my clothes a lot because my clothes feel uncomfortable and i want to change my clothes and all these things that i just thought well like this is like weird and things that i'm rubbish at um and uh and then having that narrative that could make me go well actually you might be rubbish at being a neurotypical person but you might fit better into um uh into this box um Mm -hmm. and and, you know that this might be a sort of uh I suppose identity so much is such a pretentious word, isn't it? <laughs> but, um, uh, but you know, this sort of identity might might be one that is that that fits you more. And uh, yeah, if you don't, know, and I think it made, it made me see that um, you you know I, I sort of felt a lot like I was a that um, like I was a bit rubbish, to be honest, um, a bit sort of um, you know useless and and got things wrong all the time. And I think it's helped me to reframe it and go, well, actually, I'm this different thing and um there's really good things about being this thing and actually a lot of the bad things about being autistic when you pick them apart they're not inherent things about being autistic they are um you know a lot of them are too with the environment you're put in or or you know sort of ne- neurotypical people being being sort of difficult <laughs> to deal yeah. with sometimes and and you know and i think it's um uh I'd always, when there was like a weird social interaction, I'd always assume that I was wrong because I, I, I was always told you shouldn't have said that, you shouldn't have done that. And I think of the, the autism diagnosis. I think also in the, um, I, I read Neurotribes, Steve Silberman's book about autism history. And, and you know, and then after the diagnosis, I went on to read people like um, Polly Samuel, who's more commonly known by, by the name Donna Williams. Um, and, uh, but the people like that, it's a sort of the, those sort of um, uh, um, ideas, I spoke with John Adams a lot, who I think is a very um, clever man, um, and Ria Lena, the comedian, I spoke to her about autism uh, on a few occasions, some really great conversations with her. Um, yeah, so it sort of allowed me, so that with the diagnosis allowed me to frame things as I'm not a rubbish
0: mm-hmm.
1: neurotypical person, I'm an autistic person who is rubbish at pretending to be a neurotypical yeah. person you know I, I if I sort of lean into what I actually am then mm-hmm. I can be more um yeah I mean yeah it, it has it has improved because it, it, it's not so much the diagnosis on its own but it's, it's realizing if I lean into who I am rather than trying to not be t- trying to be something I'm not which sounds very corny but, but yeah. it's true yeah um then that that has improved improving to me to improved my comedy a lot you know yeah. i had an idea of what a comedian should be like and how comedians yeah. should act
0: mm-hmm. and it allowed
1: me to go oh, no, i'm just gonna i'm not gonna try and look audience members in the eye and sort of do that sort of thing yeah. um you know i'm gonna be myself in in comedy and that that's the best kind of comedy is when people are being themselves
0: cool thank you so much for sharing i i have a few follow-up questions um I, yeah i go for... I, I think what you said, like, uh, uh, I totally agree with you. what you said, like, the, the diagnosis process is very flawed. Um, I don't know uh, autism, but, uh, um, like, last year I realized most likely um, I have ADD. Um, mm. Like, I, I have a long history of depression. Um, and, uh, and the last year I, I realized oh I, I actually uh, might have ADD then I realized lots of my issues why I'm depressed is actually the the re- uh, caused by ADD because uh, like I, I, I I'm like permanently late. I'm always late on appointments. Uh, I, I lack of structure and I, I cannot really manage my life. Um, I procrastinate uh, uh, like uh, all the time, and the the fact that I could not focus and I procrastinate, um, I cannot deliver results, which make me really like uh, have self doubts and uh, and uh, um, feeling depressed and uh, uh, like attacking myself. When I realize I have ADD, I start to read books uh, about ADD, and uh, then lots of things, lots of things, bothered me for, for all my life. Just went away because I realized lots of things can be easily solved by by a different framework. Now I make notes in a specific way, and uh, I didn't take any medi- medication. But it just changed me in such tremendous way. Uh, but uh, but on the other hand, uh, I although I'm so sure that I have ADD. But on the other hand, I am not going to get diagnosed because I I read a lot about how to get diagnosed and um, there's no biologic test on it. And all they do is to uh, send you to a specialist and they ask you lots of questions uh, and they read your records as uh, as a young adult, as a child. But I come from China, I don't have the records with me and all the right. doctors here in Germany, they speak German, and uh, there's lots of paperwork. Then I decided, okay, I'm I, I just not going to get a diagnosed. But on the other hand, I feel like, uh, uh because, Although the doctors, what they would do is also to read through a checklist and then assessment, assess me. And I know myself better than, than the doctor, but I, the fact that I cannot get a diagnose, uh, I feel still there's a little bit of stigma in it, uh, that when I'm talking with people, um, they would say, oh, if you don't, didn't get a diagnose, then then you don't have it. I'm like, I know who I am. It's for me, it's uh, insane that I I have to go to a person who doesn't know me at all and ask him to to check the list for me to to assure me uh, my experience. Uh, So I I feel like this is uh, really a strange process. Um, And I I would like to ask you uh, like, uh, how do you feel? Um, I I remember uh, one time after I saw your show, There's uh, an audience coming to you, he said, uh, he thinks he has autism, he's on the spectrum. And you ask him if he get diagnosed, he said no. Uh, But uh, all his uh, colleagues, uh, when he realized he has autism, all his colleagues said, yeah, of course. And uh, he was surprised that he's the last person to know. So for you, uh, as a person who's diagnosed of having autism, uh, or being autistic uh, what do you think uh, when other people tell you but they are not diagnosed would you think it's is legit or you think
1: oh no i think it's legit yeah yeah i, th- I think that that you know I, I i think that um yeah i think self diagnosis probably is is a way of going forward you know because i think there's so, there's so many problems with the the diagnosis process you know and 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 people from um certain backgrounds as hard to get diagnosed you know you talked about your medical records being in another country and, and you know there's there's so many problems with the diagnostic process naturally someone doing a bit of reading and thinking about their own life experiences um i think is is more valid than you know someone who's met you for half a day um yeah, yeah so i think that um you know that's not to say that anyone can just say that they're autistic but i think that that you know that is um I think that that that's the, the way going forward, probably, you know, there's probably some tricky things around medication and stuff like that, which, you know, um, uh, obviously there needs to be some gatekeeping around medication. Mm. Um, but yeah, that, that's why I like the term neurodivergent, because it's not a, it's a term which sort of doesn't medicalize us. It's a term which sort of says, um, for me, it, it says that we're more defined in like, um, our like political and social interests rather than um our diagnosis you know so and i think that there are definitely things which we could change about society which would benefit neurodivergent people mm-hmm. and i think and i don't think that's whether or not you have a diagnosis or, or you know i met someone once who said that they were given a <laughs> they were told that they were two-thirds autistic they sort of didn't, only met two out of the three criteria for the diagnosis you know and i think that that's quite cruel really to to to, Mm -hmm. to tell someone that you know there's and it also like i believe in the social model and in social that the sort of the the treatment for autism is social change you know that we change Mm -hmm. society to be more inclusive and that's how Mm um we stop people from from struggling and uh and that can only happen you know if, if, if we sort of are police spend all our time policing who gets to be in this group yeah. then um i sort of take more of an approach of like are you interested in helping bring about those changes if so then you know come in and help us help help fight the the cause really that's the, that's my attitude to it really um yeah because i mean i had to wait a year you know for my you know, and i had a fairly straightforward um, you know, privileged uh, route through the formal diagnosis, you know, but I still had a year of going a little bit, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the politically correct term, but, you know, <laughs> struggling a bit with, with sort of, uh, with working out who I was, and, and you might for a year for, for someone who would spend a day with me to sort of yeah. write on a bit of paper, you, you are autistic. <laughs> um, and uh, so, you know, that, like... But if, if we were if self diagnosis was, was um, more socially accepted, then um, my life would have been a lot easier. When I've had to wait for a year, I could have gone, yeah, you know, do you know what? I've read a few books. The things that make me make me identify with autism is, is other autistic people. You know, they're getting that form through that said um, diagnosis, autism spectrum, whatever that whatever it says on the form. The, that didn't make. I still got that and went like, oh, but is it really like you ain't not spend that time with me? But reading um, Sarah Gibbs' book, um, reading Albert Nichols' children's books, reading Donna Williams, re- you know, speaking to other autistic people, watching autistic YouTubers, there'll be stuff which they will say and I will go, oh, of course I am. Yeah, mm. because there's these specific things which like are so relatable. Like, I remember watching that Chris Packham documentary and just like it was both what he was saying and the way he was saying it was so relatable and that was the thing which made things like that made me go oh yeah that's that's me mm-hmm. um rather than than a sort of medical diagnosis
0: yeah i i really like what you said is that uh, um you are not a bad uh typical person you are just a neurodivergent person who's bad mm. at pretending as a typical person i i i really um i i heard this uh, analogy from a book called Burnout. out uh, this also she said like lots of reasons why um she talk about a woman uh, like why women feel why we burn out in the society is that uh, um many of us are different uh, but um, the the society treats everyone as a flower but uh, maybe at the end you realize you are a cactus, like uh, yeah. it, it's it, like the the reason why you are not thriving is not uh, because there's something wrong with you it's because the society treat you as a flower keep giving you water and water you every day but uh, that's killing you because you are a cactus you only need uh, water once per week and um uh, I, I feel like uh, you, you, you talk about uh, oh, lots of things, issues, uh, problems around being autistic, actually it's not uh, the autism itself, but it's how our society operates and they designed uh, f- uh, by people, uh, by neurotypical people and for neurotypical people, people. and then they put uh, uh, someone different in this environment. And you cannot survive, thrive, and they they and make you feel that uh, oh, it's something is your problem. But uh, in reality, is that our society's problem to build a more inclusive environment that uh, everyone uh, can choose their micro environment, can get a different treatment, uh, not uh, like uh, one treatment for all.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really lovely analogy of the, the cactuses, and um, and I think it's um, it's hard to know what um, it, like. I think it takes a lot of imagination to think about what that society would be, you know, because I think everything is so set up for one type of person. So I think sometimes it's it's one of those ideas that before you know where we're, where we're at with society now, it seems a bit ridiculous to sort of say. You know, we could have a society where everyone would be included, and people wouldn't, you know. But I think, because I think it's um, everything so set up, it's one of those things where, um, yeah, when you're in a I'm grasping for some sort of metaphor, but um, you know, when when you're when you when we're in the society, I won't do a metaphor. I'll just say it as it is. Um, uh, yeah, in our society where things are set up for okay. neurotypical people, it is hard to it's hard to imagine what a different society might look like until that society comes.
0: Yeah, but, but i think like things can change rather fast like uh, if we look at the queer community like uh, only 20 mm. years ago 30 years ago it's unimaginable uh for for the uh, freedom they they have now uh so like uh, now like uh, uh, gay marriage are being accepted in so many countries and uh, they have pride to to celebrate their identity i think, Maybe like our next generation, like being neurodivergent, would be a very normal thing, and everyone can uh, can have their own environment.
1: Yeah, I and mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, there's there's still a lot to go for LGBT people as well. But um, but, and I do think we we have that was one of the things which was interesting working with with young people in my um, job, which I, I uh, finished doing last August, was. I think it it it's starting to happen already. I think the experience for young neurodivergent people is very different to what it was when I was a teenager, um, and 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 then before that, I read um, uh, most of Temple Grandin's um, or certainly most of her autism books uh, for um, for research recently, and it's really interesting reading. Um, Because those books weren't written that long ago, I think so early 90s was the first one come out late 80s. Um, Someone can fact check that. But but just that the what autism was in the early 90s. She was in her first book, she's referred to as a recovered autistic because the only diagnosis they had was childhood autism. So they didn't they didn't have any word for adult autistics, you know. So I think things have changed and things have moved in a positive direction. There's still a long way to go, but um, uh, but yeah, but 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 you know, for, for neurodivergent people, I think it is. Um, I have seen quite quite radical change, really. You know, um, I think we're not we're not. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I think I think things have changed quite drastically.
0: So I I want to ask you: Have you watched this uh, Netflix uh, Netflix dating show called uh, um, Love on the Spectrum?
1: I've seen a bit of it. Um, it, yeah, it feels like it's me- it's not made for autistic people. It feels like mm. it's made for neurotypical. It was my, but you know, I only watched half of one episode, so maybe it changes tone very drastically. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's um, one of the things which. Well, what was your what, what was your take on that? What What did you think?
0: Uh, my take is, I realised I might be on the spectrum right yeah like I lots of things like uh make sense i realize oh i don't have a theater like i i just say things on people's face and i i change topic very uh, easily and uh, yeah just some small things and i after watching like uh, two episodes i started saying am i on the spectrum but well
1: yeah yeah i think it's it's interesting like that you talked about like I think that's my issue of a lot of those things. There's, there's, which I think is there's the the UK one called the undateable as well, which I think is more problematic. Yeah. Um. Partly because it's called the undateables. <laughs> no, I like a lot of those things. They, they never. I think that the things that my partner likes about me. I've been married for um. A while now we've been together since we were 17 and so very happy and our relationship works. I think a lot of the things she likes about me are um, to some extent autistic traits. And you talk about not having a filter, but um, I think being in a relationship with someone, you want them to be very honest, and that's a really good thing. Um, and I think that's never presented in those shows, you know, that, yeah. that actually it's always sort of like, the, the narrative that, that I think they want on those TV shows is about people overcoming being autistic in order to have a relationship, whereas the narrative I want to see is that people embracing being autistic, and then that being part of their happy relationships, you know. And I don't think I've ever seen um, a uh, a dating show or anything like that, that 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 puts that across, you know, that that actually there's lots of things about neurodivergent people that makes them really good partners um amy schumer does some some lovely material about her husband who's autistic and you know she sort of says that he never lies and that she's dated other men and you know all she's wanted was a man who doesn't lie about things and can't lie and um yeah you know and i, th- I think that um it's uh you never really see that presented as as a um as a narrative but i, but it's, I,
0: I, uh, I think for the show like a laugh on the spectrum mm-hmm. I think actually, I I I think they present uh, the autistic people in a I, from my point of view, I think they are quite lovely. Especially there's a uh, there's a girl. She's a cartoonist, and uh, the mm. way she talk is just so straightforward. I and mean, she doesn't play the game when she likes someone. She just say it out loud, and um, uh, from my point of view, I I I feel like. Uh, it's quite attractive. And then the, the, the autistic guy, she stayed, stayed in, um, uh, after the first date, uh, she, she, uh, in the middle of the first date, she said, Oh, you're so hot. I like you so much. And the, <laughs> and the guy just said, I'm sorry, I need to take a break. Then he left. And, uh, of course i think oh my god he thinks it's too much she's not uh, like uh, playing the game and he he's not interested so he left and then uh some minutes later he came back he's like i wrote a poor poetry for you and uh, he said oh i love you Uh, i like you you are so beautiful and then my my take on it i was like wow actually like uh, uh, it's quite lovely to, to be with people like this. They they don't hide what they are thinking and you you, you really can trust what they tell you. And that that's my take on it. And uh, but but I, I, I want to ask you when, when you watch this half episode, do you do you think yeah, like, so I should
1: watch more of it. That's a bit, I'm, I'm terrible at stuff like that. I watched half of it <laughs> and then made judgments about it. So I should go back to it and watch it properly. Mm-hmm. Um I think I'm just, i am just I'll the sort of autistic media I'm interested in is it tends to be stuff that's that's made by autistic people Mm -hmm. um so uh yeah so I I think I'm always I I probably when there are things which feel like they are um made for neurotypical people um or you know made by and for neurotypical people um I maybe come into those things sometimes with a bit of a skeptical mind so I should give it another chance maybe
0: you you uh mentioned quite a few uh books uh earlier uh you said okay after after the recording you send me the list i can put it oh into yeah the definitely podcast.
1: yeah yeah uh-huh. i'll have to remember which ones i mentioned elmer McNichol's books neurotized by steve silberman um donna williams uh yeah i think those are the ones that i mentioned but yeah lots of um yeah re- reading those sort of um uh first first-hand accounts of things um yes yeah there's lots which i related to a lot while reading those
0: earlier we are just talking about uh, this uh, dating show and uh, you briefly talk about your wife uh y- how did you meet your wife
1: uh we met a college uh so, so uk college so what um other places call high school um yes yeah, so we were both 17 and we've stayed together since so um yeah so we're, 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 i think we're sort of um closer than most couples we tend to sort of um uh I don't think she's with me when you come see my show but she comes to a lot of my shows with me and we travel around together a lot so yeah we're very very happy and she is neurodivergent too she has ADHD um so yeah I think we sort of um work together partly for that reason you know I think that I don't think I could be in a relationship with a neurotypical person <laughs> if I'm honest no offense to the neurotypical people
0: so so you met in 2017 that means that was uh, like uh, before you were diagnosed. Uh,
1: no no sorry we we met at college when we were 17. Oh so we met, wow. So we were 17 years old. Um yeah so we this was uh how long? 16 years ago. Yeah. Wow. So I think almost half our life half half our lives we've been together.
0: So so that's way before you were diagnosed.
1: Yeah 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 so we we've been together for a long time.
0: And before your diagnosis, did did she uh, knows that uh, you you might be on the spectrum, or how d- did you address uh, the uh, the the situation that you are not like uh, neurotypical people?
1: Um, no, I think that we always sort of um, knew that we were. I think both of us sort of different to most people um yeah so i think i think um there's always been that sort of um yeah i think she was always very understanding about the fact that we were different you know that like if you went to a party i wouldn't be able to sort of socialize immediately and you know and um or at all really i probably just find one person that i can talk to in the corner which is usually her <laughs> um so yeah i think um I think as well we're both sort of neurodivergent in different ways we sort of Mm -hmm. have an understanding of you know um understanding people's differences
0: Mm -hmm. i i i like i feel i have i'm on the spectrum because also like i have a a very difficult time Uh, when i was younger i have a very difficult time to socialize and uh, in social groups Uh, only like recently I start to accept that okay that's not me and I'm not going to force myself to do that anymore Uh, and uh, uh, my next question would be um, your before you you said you start to uh, become a full-time comedian in the recent years Uh, before Mm. that did you do any other jobs
1: yeah so I um what things have i done i worked i worked at a tourist attraction when i was at university i then did some uh so I wrote, I wrote a book about having ocd so i did a bit of sort of stuff to do with that um and then for about five years i worked part-time whilst doing comedy um for uh, a um uh, well, for, for a charity work for young people with special educational needs and disabilities yeah. Um, and yeah, then went full-time comedy last August.
0: Wow. How how does it feel like now you are a full-time comedian?
1: Yeah, I'm scared that if it goes badly, i have to go, but I think I was struggle in a proper job now. <laughs> I think now that I'm um, sort of fully self-employed, it, it is very um, it is very freeing to sort of just be able to work on your own stuff and that be a full-time thing. So um, yeah, it's nice. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I like it a lot.
0: Uh, how with, uh, with your comedy before your diagnosis? Uh, di- did you uh, force yourself or push yourself to be the certain way? Because for me, I um, at a, for quite a while, I really wanted to force myself to be this type of high energy American comedians like hey (laughs) hey everyone how's your night going yeah yeah. and i I tried very hard (laughs) then then after a while i realized okay that's just not me so how did you find your stage presence
1: yeah and i I think that is true of comedy generally i think everyone has new new, whatever their neurotype is um i think part of doing comedy is you find your voice you know you start out and you've watched your favorite comedians on tv and then you you sort of um, do a version of a sort of poor version of whatever your favorite comedian is, and then you sort of work out what works for you. Um, but yeah, I think I think um, I think that's the one of the other things that that um, that the diagnosis helped with was I I sort of was finding stuff that would work for me doing stand up, but then I always. Um, struggled with anything that wasn't stand-ups to sort of like um i don't know how whereabouts your listeners tend to be but but if, if people aren't from the uk sort of panel shows are a big thing um in the uk Where but they're sort of have a panel of comedians each shipping in with their jokes and uh doing auditions for those i found them really difficult because i didn't know when to cut in and i found those really hard um and and yeah and and other things you know i I sort of felt i had, felt there was a set way to do them, and I had to learn to do them and now I think that stuff that I've done that isn't stand up more, I feel more comfortable with it because I can do it sort of as you know if you're being a self more you just sort of transfer that over to whatever you're doing um so yeah i I think uh I probably didn't before the diagnosis struggle a lot with working out um what I was doing with comedy you know mm-hmm. I did some good stuff <laughs> I did some shows that I'm proud of but I don't feel like I'd fully found my voice you know I think mm-hmm. I got quite good at doing um doing a sort of version of I felt like I was good I got quite good at doing stand-up comedy mm-hmm. and now I feel like I am a stand-up comedian do you know what I mean like a, yeah. you know, I've um I have found how to for it to be me which okay. is, um yeah, this is what you need.
0: In your show, you talk about uh, that um uh, people wondering, like, uh, how can an autistic person to be stand up comedian? And uh, be, because the stereotypical is that uh, the autistic people are good at math, or, or like a, a mathematical physics a genius or something. And you have a bit about this. um. I, I would like to ask you how how do you feel like, uh, uh being autistic and stand up comedy these two things uh work together for you because uh, um stereotypically also for stand up comedy uh most of people would believe oh stand up comedians are really extrovert and who like to socialize and funny naturally and uh, how uh... they
1: haven't met many stand up comedians they <laughs> think they're extroverts. <laughs> yeah I mean I I think a lot of um I mean that there are a lot of autistic comedians I don't know whether that's because comedians are more likely to be honest about it um but uh yeah I mean I I think so there's a a couple of things what one is I think joke writing really works for my brain when I was at school I was quite bad at writing because we got sort of we got to sort of taught that how you write is you sort of sit down with a pen and paper, and and the sort of writing flows out of you naturally, and you you sort of come out of all these sort of like beautiful um, uh, metaphors and and you know and so on, um, and that didn't work for how my my brain works. So I was always really rubbish at it, um, but comedy writing, and actually a lot of the writing that I've done, which is the the, the young adult book, I've realised that my sort of if I sort of allow my Systemizing brain to approach it, you know. If you've got a joke, sometimes it'll be like, I'm sure you've had the same thing where, you're like, well, that joke's not working, but maybe if I change that word, then that would give that bit of the sentence a bit more meaning, or it might change the context of what I'm saying there. Or if I, it's quite sort of, um it feels like almost like a puzzle to work out, and I think that works for my brain. That sort of comedy writing, I think, sort of feels um, natural to me which was never never taught at, at, um, at school or even at university, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a um, literature degree for some reason. <laughs> um, and uh, the other thing I think, I think the humour for neurotypical people like is a very specific thing where like I think there's a certain type of humour that neurotypical people do where it's like a sort of like social glue bonding thing mm-hmm. where actually if you, broke down i went to um well it's an old example it was a few weeks ago i went to um get my car fixed the garage and they're all joking around in the garage because they're ordering new um like fleeces like quick fit Mm -hmm. fleeces and uh one of the the guy on the desk he's quite young and quite skinny and they're going, what size are you? We've got all of the fleeces. Oh, I think he's 5XL because he's quite skinny. And they're going, yeah, 5XL, we're going to get 5XL for you. It goes on for about five minutes of them sort of like, one of them checks the label and goes, yeah, it says 5XL in here. And they're all laughing because he's actually very skinny. And they're, they're like, and like, that isn't very funny. Yeah. But it sort of it, it, it amused them. <laughs> and, uh, and I think actors are sort of like social, like, glue and a bonding thing and I think neurotypical people do this sort of like that that sort of humor I think is quite neurotypical I don't think autistic people do that kind of thing um certainly not naturally and uh and and I think it's it's not funny you know if you did that as material in a comedy club if you're a skinny comedian and went up and went oh this jacket is 5xl you know you wouldn't get a laugh from that but It sort of exists as a sort of um, it's almost, it's almost like sort of bantery small talk, isn't it? Which mm-hmm. I think is um, yes. is different to comedy and humor and stuff that I think is sort of properly funny. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I think uh I, may, uh, I would like to add my two cents. Uh, I, I think yes. being neurodivergent means you think your brain works in a different way than neurotypical people, and the comedy. Uh, a lot of it is based on surprise so the fact that you you, you your joke your brain goes a very different direction that's funny already mm. uh, because uh, if you have a premise most people think it will go this direction then you have a uh, like a huge turn and that uh, makes it funny
1: oh definitely yeah yeah my favorite comedians are the ones that um that sort of like I really like Doug Stanhope, particularly as a teenager. But I still think he's he's um I think people some people sort of see him as a sort of shock comic, but I think he's a lot more um a lot better writer than that. Very clever at uh, his best. But I think what I like about him is that if there's like a big political debate, he will find like the third angle, you know. So if it's like pro or anti whatever thing, um he will go well. What I found another route, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's always finding a different way of looking at things, and I think um, that's the comedy that I like. I think Cary Marx is like that. I don't know if you've ever seen him, but he always comes at things from a third angle. You know. How
0: do you spare his name?
1: Uh, okay. So Cary Marks, C A R E Y, and M R M A R X, I think. But um. Okay yeah i he always sort of um one and one of the best compliments i've ever had and i was so you know you say something you're like that's exactly what i wanted to hear was carrie said to me i really like the angles in your set you know and that's exact from from him that really meant a lot to hear um uh because that's what he's so good at is you know it's a, it's a new angle a new way of looking at things um and yeah i think a lot of, you know a lot of comedies like that even like observational comedy that's very mainstream it's still looking it's going here's a new way of looking at this um which maybe you haven't thought about before
0: yeah yeah, yeah indeed and uh, I, I i think a lot of us that's the beauty of comedy i think a lot of people start to do comedy uh like uh, when they are uh not the best in their life but then they can transform mm. their disadvantages into advantages for example like uh, now uh in 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 Germany, like in Berlin, we have lots of, we have a big English comedy scene going on. And most of our comedians are not uh, native speakers. But uh, right. what we realize is that um, not being a native speaker, uh, of course you can think it as a dis- disadvantage, but actually uh, because it's not our native sp- uh, language. So we use the language in a different way and really can uh, like surprise people, and we we have a have a little bit distant to this language, so we when we use it, it can can be more creative because we don't have the framework on us.
1: Mm, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I think that it's um. Yeah. I mean, it's lots. Of, even in the UK, there's lots of comics where English is their second language. People like Henning van, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it can definitely. Any sort of I think that's what is exciting about comedy is that any different being different is is the sort of um the gold that you're after, you know? I okay. think it's um sometimes you the, the sort of like um the comics which maybe aren't as um uh I'm trying to be diplomatic in what I say, but you know, <laughs> maybe like uh, like sometimes you'll see a comic and you'll go yeah that's fine like they're doing what they're meant to be doing but it's you know just someone talking about stuff which maybe we've all thought of before mm-hmm. you know and, and making observations which have been heard before mm-hmm. um and you know and and even if it's sort of well presented comedy
0: mm-hmm. it's
1: a little bit boring you know i want to yeah, see yeah. someone come and do something that's that i've never thought of before yeah. or that's that's you know a bit shocking or a bit um a bit unusual and weird or or you know of sort of um goes against what you expect um comedy to be yeah you know I think you want to um... see
0: someone different not generic
1: mm. well exactly yeah um, okay. and a lot of the rest of the world works the other way doesn't it where people yeah. want you to be as normal as possible yeah so that's what i find quite exciting about comedy is it's um
0: yeah it's i think the, like the weirdos. The, the fact that, uh, sorry, I might not be political correct now, but uh, I, I think like uh, the fact that uh, there are lots of uh, losers doing comedy yeah, and uh, yeah. we become successful, like it's that uh, uh, we are not typical, we are not uh, the norm. And uh, then we can use all those uh, uh, those disadvantages and uh, misfortune in our life and transform into something really unique. Because you don't want to hear comedy from someone from a perfect family, like a good looking and have a perfect life and have no um, no trauma, no tragedy in their life. But someone who, who have been through all those shit and then they bring it on stage, you can experience another life without you mm. go through those things.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think that... Um... Uh, you know and and i think comedy could be better but it is quite a diverse um art form you know there's people from all different backgrounds obviously some backgrounds are overrepresented but but you know i, I think it is it is a diverse um uh a, a diverse thing in the uk particularly you know, if you compare it to to um you know the bands that might if you look at like a music festival and see the bands that are headlining a lot of them are from the same social backgrounds they a lot of them you know a lot more uh male dominated than comedy is even though comedy could be better um so so yeah you know i, th- I think people yeah he- hearing stories that you're know, hearing viewpoints that you haven't heard before is a really exciting thing and comedy works so well for that you know and i think it's i think that's really um really exciting and really powerful you know i th- often i've seen um yeah you know, I've, I've, I've seen uh Black comics perform to to um be, because of the area we're in perform to all white audiences because we're somewhere you know like Bournemouth or whatever where you know it's very sort of like a, a lot of white people there and I think that's really powerful and important that that you know that that you you people get to hear experiences and hear from groups which maybe they um don't meet day to day or don't hear those experiences mm-hmm. um in a really mainstream fun way you know it's not yeah. um uh you know it's 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 proper mainstream um mm. and uh yeah I, yeah i love comedy you know i think I, I want comedy to be better and i think it could there's a lot of ways that our industry could improve a lot but i think there is also a lot of good things about comedy and and um how you know we get to hear interesting stories that aren't maybe being heard in in you know other art forms certainly other mainstream art forms
0: uh, i think comedy is cool in a way that uh, it can lots of comedians are misfit in their normal life and then Mm. they they just start to do comedy and they start to fit into this group who uh where like most people are different and we are so different to each other then we fear the community and fear a sense of belonging
1: yeah definitely it's a sort of real um yeah when you hang out with comics it feels like a sort of um community of of outsiders doesn't it it's um yeah I love the comedy circuit a lot I think it's a it's a a lovely um and it's yeah we've talked earlier about um the importance of environment and and I think that the environment of the comedy circuit you know most of my friends are comics and and you know that's where I spend time with people a lot is with comedians that's a place where I fit in because you can be a bit weird and different and um you know you can you can ask inappropriate questions and you can you know be upfront with. with what you want to say and talk about um in a way that sort of um isn't the same in in um uh, in a sort of a lot of other jobs
0: yeah uh, my uh i i would like to ask uh, at the end of the show last time you said you uh wrote a book for young adult about uh yes. artistic um would you like to talk a little bit about this book
1: yeah well it's broader than just autistic it's 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 neurodivergent people so there um i researched and wrote about 30 um different neurodivergent people who i think are interesting and important um and uh i i resisted using the word inspiring because i think that often gets used isn't it but um i i some of them are inspiring i think some of them you'll read their stories and go oh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna do something different i'm gonna Appreciate that thing more. I'm going to be more spoken about that thing. Some of them are I think properly inspiring um, Yeah, so there 30 different people who've um, whose brains are different to most people's brains um, and uh, Yes, yeah, go Wired differently uh, It's published by Jessica Kingsley publishers. You can um, if people are buying it online I'd recommend going to pigeon books who are really nice independent publishers. You can get it from uh, Amazon but if you are able to buy it from a small bookshop, I always think that's better.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool, and, and uh, um, I I would like to ask you if you, if you meet yourself twenty years ago, um, what would you tell him?
1: Uh, apart from to invest in Zoom. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, like well, it's interesting because this is something I talk about in the show. Is is, but it sounds like it was a thing I was told a lot. Um, but I suppose the thing I would say would be to be yourself, but to be yourself in like a proper, radical, meaningful way. You know, I think often people say be yourself in that sort of um, as just a sort of like way to be like, oh, loosen up, relax. Um, but I think being yourself, um, even if what yourself is maybe seems a bit weird to other people that would be my so I'd say be yourself but there'd be lots of sort of um caveats to that
0: mm-hmm. and uh, and for uh, young adults out there like especially those who haven't got the diagnosis yet uh but uh, might be on the spectrum uh, what's your advice like uh, for them
1: um you know, I, th- I think one of the things uh, this is this is partly n- not just as an autistic person, but as so- someone who works with young people, when you're young, your world is very, very small. And I think it's easy to feel like there's no one like you out there because you're in a school with the th- however many other people who just live near the school. And um, and it, that can feel very isolating because, you, you, you know, cause the, the, the sort of choice of who you've got for your social group is small. Um, but I think that um, people use the expression find your tribe don't they Um, and I think that is something which I did with comedy you know I found people who even if they weren't exactly like me I found a place where I belonged and I do think that place is out there but I think when you're young it really feels like particularly when you're at sort of school and college I think I started to find it a bit when I went to university and I met um i was doing a literature course and i sort of found people that are interested in reading books um but yeah particularly at school it can feel like you're the only person um it's quite a common thing for autistic people when they're younger to think that they might be aliens um and i think it can feel like that a lot you know like i've been dumped on this planet everyone else is tuned into whatever thing this is and i'm i'm some sort of outsider to this um, but I think there are other aliens out there on the planet. <laughs> oh,
0: thank you so much. I, I, I think I I would uh, uh, really use your advice uh, when I was young, and uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I, it's very
1: hard being young, isn't it? I think we don't like, we don't we don't give young people enough sort of credit just for sort of like lots of. Um, I so saw I saw a play recently which was very good, but it had like a teenage. And all the teenage teenagers are always sort of like get a load of stick, don't they? But it's just so. I think it's really hard being young. You know, it's 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 hard, but it does does get better. Yeah.
0: And the, and the other teenagers are brutal.
1: Well, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. They are. But that that's the thing. It's hard being a teenager, but part of the problem is the other teenagers. So yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Cool. So at the end, it uh, come to my favorite question. Oh, actually, before that, I need to ask you, uh, you you are bringing your solo to Edinburgh Fringe this August. Is yes. that correct? Uh, well, yes, it, yeah.
1: uh, it is at the Banshee Labyrinth for Nidri Street, midday every day. Um, and I'm on the Free Fringe as well, which I, if you're going to Edinburgh, I'd really recommend the Free Fringe. It's much it sounds crazy because you'd think that the ones where people pay for tickets would be better for performers but actually the free fringe benefits performers much more um so do support the free fringe if you're up in edinburgh because it's a really good thing uh for performers and there's some really really good good shows um on the free fringe so so have a little look through the fringe free fringe brochure and um you'll find some really good stuff there
0: Ooh, check his show out i watched twice in a row it's it's really great uh, thank
1: you <laughs>
0: <laughs> and under the, the next question is my favorite question so um i i would to like to ask you uh, what's your favorite uh comedy special
1: oh um It would either be one of Mark Thomas was a big person I really liked, um as a teenager and, and in my well and, and I still have since I was a teenager I've liked. I think um all of his stuff is is amazing. The one that I mentioned Doug Stanhope earlier, and he's not to everyone's taste, but there's a he did a routine about his mother uh, his mother's suicide that I think is such an have you heard of the routine of like no uh, how to spell his name his name is doug stanhope d-o-u-g mm-hmm. uh stanhope s-t-a-n-h-o-p-e um he's okay. a very yeah i think he's a very interesting comic some of what he does is is quite uh controversial and shocking but this routine about his mother's suicide i think is just such an incredible piece of writing where it's funny it's really dark but it's got a real heart to it and um it's a very I think a very very powerful uh piece of writing with an amazing punchline and amazing um jokes in it I can't remember the special it's in um but wherever whatever special that's in um I can't even remember the rest of the material on that but but it's worth it
0: cool I will check it out so thank you so much uh for for the thank you for having me yeah, I, I I'm. I feel so privileged to get to know you and your work. and.
1: Uh, oh, thank you. It's nice to be on the show.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, and I will see you in Edinburgh. See you in Edinburgh. Yeah, cool. Have a nice day.
1: Thank Bye. You. <laughs> Bye-bye. Cool. Thank you.
0: Thank you.